Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 105 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then the best thing to do is email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook. Alex? Good morning in Costa Rica. Good evening in Scotland. This is the second time we are trying to record this episode. Uh, usual, not technical difficulties, but it's really we've got a heat wave in Scotland just now. It's just over freezing, and uh, the fan on my laptop's kicking in crazy. So we had to start again. Hopefully, it behaves itself now. Alex, I'm coming through loud and clear. Yep, everything is good. You no longer sound like you have placed a vacuum cleaner on the on the microphone so yeah everything's good man uh that's good and yeah i'm here ready to answer people's questions uh, yeah no no vacuuming done in this house at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so what's been happening i saw on your page uh you your book your hard copy you had it in your hand it's out it's you've released the kraken yeah i've actually uh i've not actually seen the book yet just because Oh, that I don't was know. someone else's hand. Yeah, then, yeah, people, people were sending me pictures of like, hey, I got the, the book, and I, they took pictures of it. And I, I, th- I was really flattered by that because that's just, uh, that's not something, I don't know how to put this, Barry, but like when I wrote the book, like it was this big moment when, I mean, we talked about it here when I got the call uh, that like, yeah, they approved your book, they approved your budget, and I, I didn't think, uh I, I I just didn't know if anybody was ever going to want to pay me to publish a poker book just because my name's not as big uh, for other reasons as well. And I got the deal I wanted, and I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. And then, you know, there there's that moment where you got to go, oh, my God, I, I have to write the thing now, right? And then then there was quite a few – writing it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Uh, because I had so much other crap going on in my life, it was a really welcome escape. Uh, just get, and because I can write, I mean, there were days I wrote seven thousand words because I, I can the stuff I wrote in that book, like I have been talking about for like five years, like nonstop every single day with a thousand plus students. This is all the same strategies that work with my students that really. Uh, get them up Uh, you know like if you do a lesson with me now there's a lot of like stuff I update given the current game and there is value in getting a current lesson but for those of you who don't have $200 for an hour with me like this $25-$30 book is really really valuable what was way harder about the book 
than I realized was editing. Like I had to edit this book so many times and there were so many times like going through it. I was like, uh, well, you know, this argument, I really would like it to be true because it would make my, uh, it would make my case much more solid. But at the same time, I'm looking at the research and it's, I could easily argue the other point. Right. So I didn't want to leave any ambiguities in the text, but there were some times where, I can give general directions, but you could argue the other side. I just would have to go, I dislike the other side and for this reason. And rewriting and editing and rewriting and editing was way harder. But once I sent the book out the door, it's kind of in my head, it's gone. You know what I mean? It's like, well, there's that, you know, <laughs> like that's so like when people are sending me photos of themselves, like with the book, it's like, whoa. Like it's yeah. a it's a real book. Check it out. There's, there's, there's still something in this in this digital world, Alex. There's still something to be said about analog things. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like what I say about like with the toys and stuff. You look at toys made in the seventies and eighties. These things were hand sculpted with wax first, yeah. and then a hard copy was made, and then they were like produced from that, and then hand painted, etc. You look at the stuff now, it's like shit's ran out from a 3D printer. Like toys, yeah, I picked yeah. up like one of my nephew's action figures. And it's just crap. It's not me because I'm an adult now and don't play Oh, no, toys no, dude. I, dude, I, I, I look at them and I go, this is a piece of shit, you know? And then you look at stuff made in the 70s and 80s. And the artwork on the box, I mean, the guy that did, like, without getting really like into it, you know, the, the guy that did, like, the Masters of the Universe uh, toy line, the, the actual uh, art on the packaging was like a respected artist. I can't remember his name, but he used to sneak his signature in like on the, oh, the, cool. the drawings and stuff somewhere. And all the, the artwork is just like popping, you know, the colours, in its own right. It's like pop art, you know? No, I And you. Uh, you look at the stuff now and it's literally a logo, bang, made in China. Like, we can use that for every product. Just stick it on and just milk yeah, the brand. So there is something about the, the hard copy still in, yeah. you know, in terms of the book. You yeah, know? and I, uh, they, they said to me, they were like, do you want a copy of the book? I was like, no. <laughs> I've, been, I, I, I've spent enough time with that book, right? Like, I, I do not need a copy. And then it kind of occurred to me, like, dude, you should have this wherever you are on Earth. This should be on your shelf, wherever mm -hmm. that shelf is. You know what I mean? Because like you said, there is something for the physical copy. There is something like, this is like yours and my work. And I feel you on like a lot of things. Like I, w I was talking with my mom the other day. There was some like cheesy 90s action movie on the TV when uh, we went to the mall, right? Uh, we were going to see some movie. And I was watching that. I was like, this movie, this really bad action movie with no sound on in this crowded food court is more exciting than half of the action movies I've seen recently because it looks like a real Uzi is popping off and blowing up things in the, because like they used to have to like sculpt the, like you're saying, like they used to have to sculpt the, 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 the sets. Right. And you had yeah. to work really hard on how it was going to break apart. And then, you know, they had to choreograph how they move it. Now it's just like, yeah, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. And it's a, everything is did. Well, I remember buying old video games. Like, uh, when I was a kid, and it's like the NES games, like the art on the front of it was like, it was like album art. It was really, yeah. it was really well crafted and well done. And 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of things in our society, society are just really bite-sized and crappy now. And it's, it, I was telling, I, I got really pissed off with a buddy of mine. I was like, I was listening to music. I got super excited with Spotify. And I started listening to all music that was similar to my old uh, albums, my old favorite albums that came out now. And I was telling my buddy, I was like, this music is about nothing. It's like a polished turd. It has nothing. It's like music is supposed to evoke some emotion from you, right? This does, you know, this isn't music you can have sex to, you can dance to, you can mosh to. This, it's just nothing. These people are mad about nothing. And honestly, seriously, it's people our age, like millennials. Like millennials don't have a lot of crap to be angry about. I'm sorry. They think they do. They're making things up, right? They really want to create these like, oh, it's like the 1960s. We have to... We have to protest. It's like I, I, I'm pretty sure by every, uh, by every metric we can think of, things are going a lot better now than the 60s. There are still things you can protest, but if you think you're going to have some great war, some great civil rights protest, you think you're, uh, you, they invent things because there's just nothing there. These people leave lives of nothing with their special effects that have nothing to do with anything that looks fake and look like a fake cartoon and their video games that just try to complicate everything needlessly and their auto-tuned crap music. And it's like, yeah, buy my book. It's not like any of these items I just mentioned. <laughs> but I mean, no, I mean, uh, there is something to say. I was thinking about like just the authenticity recently. I, I can't remember who asked me, but they were in my house and I listened to, uh, there's this band called Converge, and uh, the, the, the guitarist, uh, I, think, I don't know how to pronounce his name. His name's Kirk Balu, I think. Uh, he has a record label, and all they do is the most extreme music you can think of. And every album sounds like it, 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 they make the guitars crunch in a way you've never heard. They make the, the drums pop off like a shotgun, like you've never heard the 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 vocals are some of the most like unearthly uh, noises you've ever heard. And people go like, this music is terrible. I'm like, this music evokes an emotion in me. I feel like I have to do something when I listen to this. This is clearly somebody's art, even though I don't love some of it takes it too far. I don't like it. This is art. This is an emotion causing these people are angry about something. This is, uh, and they're never going to make money from it. So I know what they're angered about is actually meaningful to them. Whereas there's a lot of people that get angry really conveniently when it can make them a buck or it can get them, you know, they think, oh, this will help me get a multi-ethnic girlfriend if I, if I wear this Black Lives Matter t-shirt. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, like I, I agree with, I have a line about Black Lives Matter in my new rap battle and there, there, there is a lot I agree with, but there's a lot of like just opportunistic people that, and, and it just means nothing. And then, when I tried to write this book, it was like, I don't know if I will ever get to write another poker book. So I'm going to write, uh, I, I'm going to write, essentially what I tried to write is, if you are someone that wants to exist outside of your government, if you are someone who wants to exist outside of the system, you do not want to work changing tires or whatever, just like I didn't want to do. If you're trying to escape your country, if you're trying to live anywhere on the world, there is one way I know how to make consistently money, uh, how to make money consistently month after month for a decade. I've done it for a decade, and that is through professional poker. 
And to my knowledge, this book is everything I know about poker. And it was a lot of work. The book is massive. There's tons of images. I'm sure there's little mistakes here and there because there were so many edits. But it's there. It's 25 bucks. If anybody tells me this is not worth 25 bucks, they are absolutely effing insane. This is like, if I charge $500 for this book, I would not lose sleep. Not in a thousand years would I lose sleep if I published this book and it was $500. There are 10 pages in that book. I know which ones they are. I'm not going to call them out to attention because I don't want everybody using my strategies against me. And guess what? People are super lazy. They're not, the people who I'm really worried about reading this book are not going to read this book. Are they going to buy it and think uh, through osmosis they're going to get the they're going to get the poker knowledge in it it, it but the i really want those sections to be for the guy who leaves the the uh, the book in his bathroom and actually like really studies like four pages every single day but there are like there are 10 page sections there which you could pay me $500 for and i would not lose sleep and to have made a product that valuable there are there are times i'm like Oh, people are going to pan it. Uh, what if they don't like this? I talked a little bit more about my personal life than I actually wanted to. But I was like, you know what, dude? This was the book you wanted to do. You put every poker strategy tidbit you could absolutely fit in there. All the really important stuff. You taught people how to make a living. And you showed people how it created a living in your life. That is something really special. That is authentic. That is something I will never lose. You know what I mean? That is out there. And the great thing about publishing a book is like once there's 10,000 copies out there, it's not going to die. You know what I mean? Once it's uh, out there on Kindle or whatever, it's not going to die. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I guess it was a really big moment for me. I didn't really realize till just now when we started talking about it. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's so weird to have finally created something that palpable, that valuable. You know what I mean? That it, it, yeah. it's there. It's going to be. You, you like the gambler's bookstore. Like I grew up reading books about professional gambling. I remember just sitting in the back of, I remember I, I, I was, uh, I, I just wasn't doing good health wise. I was a little too skinny and I wear these like big hoodies and I, I'd wear like my hat, like over my eyes because I, I was starting to kind of like get bags under my eyes. And I was reading the theory of poker for like the third time. And I remember just thinking like, if I could get out, dude, if I could get out. And it was like, that book was my, uh, you know, uh, that book was my escape route. That was my map. You know what I mean? The, the fact that there could be some kid somewhere in a hopeless situation picking up my book and going, this is how I'm going to make it out in doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what, like, I would have done it for free. Like, s- swear to God, I would have done it for free if I knew for a fact that was going to happen. Right. But, you know, uh, just like the Joker says, if you're good at something, don't ever do it for free. <laughs> so, you know, here I am. And uh, it, it's, you know, the it was not, there is no chance it was worth the money I got for that book. Uh, and like, I had to fight up for what I got for that book and not like the publisher wouldn't pay me it. It's just, I had to convince them one, I was worth it because it's their business too. And second of all, I had to get a certain amount because otherwise it's just financially not feasible, right? Given, you know, my expenses and how many hours it would take. And but it's not, it's not worth the money. It's not worth the money, given how much I'm putting out there, how much time it took, et cetera. But what it is worth is like, this is my flag in the ground. This was me. I existed in poker. Like, this is what I thought. 
And you know what I mean? That's a, that's, that's a crazy feeling because I, I would bet, Barry, if you had to make a bet whether No Limit Hold'em is still around in 100 years, but would you bet against it or for it? I would say it's going to be around in 100 years. And yeah. would, you, would you bet it would be bigger or less big? Um, I, I think that's a tough one. That's a, um, I, I, I think that's a tough Go ahead, go ahead. Why, why do you think? Actually, this is a really interesting conversation I never get to have with you. Because there there's a lot of ideas that I wrote about first. Like, okay, I'm not going to be modest here. There's a lot of ideas I wrote about first, and then I saw it everywhere in the poker world, right? And there was a part of me going like, oh, it would be really cool if there was a historian that goes back and sees who wrote about what in what time, right? Then the next thought was like, nobody's ever going to do that, dude, with poker. Are you serious? Then I was thinking, if poker's around in 100 years, there's probably going to be people that try to document it. You know what I mean? But you think, like, in 100 years, you don't think it'll be as big? You think kids will be playing video games for I, money? I, I don't know. I just, I just mean on the, the sort of evolution of card games as well. You right, know, like right. Started, like, Texas Hold'em's still relatively, you know, in terms of card games, is still a baby, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, so, I'm, you know, you go way back to, like, you know, French fucking whatever, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. playing God knows what. Okay, you know? okay. I yeah, what yeah. so, yeah. you know, and then, you know, Chinese dynasties playing uh, little dice sort of variations yeah, of games and stuff. So, in terms of if uh, Hold'em is going to exist in terms of, like, its current state. Okay, just hold. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just a bit. Then also, I don't know, in terms of 100 years, the way that technology is uh, moving and expanding and the sort of applications and the disappearing of things that we consider standard just 10, 15 years ago, they don't even exist. Five now, years you know? ago, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. You know, like even a smartphone. I was using know, my iPod six years ago. Now if I pulled out an iPod at an airport, people would be like, what the hell's yeah. wrong with you? Why yeah. can't it call somebody? You yeah, know? yeah. It's, so when you think like that in terms of 100 years, I don't know what the human brain is going right, to be like right. in terms of attention span and you know i think we might just be needing constant things i'm not uh, i think <laughs> I, I think it's going to be sorry i didn't mean to cut you off it kind of cut off here for a second and then i thought you were done but uh yeah it's uh hey why don't you mute your microphone for a second i can hear your back is playing oh okay <laughs> while i go on my soliloquy no i mean there <laughs> There's a really big part of me that believes, like, in 100 years, like, poker will be huge. Like, there will be, uh, like, there will be Chinese divisions. There will be Japanese divisions. There will be African divisions. There will be, I think they're going to make it more of a spectator sport. I think they're going to find a way that you can see people's whole cards without, you know, in a sequestered room. And you can react and talk about it and talk about what the person's doing uh, openly. And I think that's going to make it much more of a spectator sport. I think it's, I, I really think it's going to be around there. I, I think it's really going to be around for a long time. I don't think No Limit Hold'em is going anywhere because wherever I go on earth, people want to play No Limit Hold'em. I've played cards in Egypt, uh, Europe. Uh, well, I, I'll just do it by continents, Mid Middle East, Europe, Asia, uh, South America, Central America, North America. I don't know if Central America is a continent, but yeah, in uh, Oceania or whatever you call it. All right, you can unmute, Barry. I'll let you out of the cage. 
Yeah, I'll touch uh, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, what I will, I will do, I'll mute it once I finish speaking, so I won't be cutting off. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It adds, it's, it's helpful as well, because it doesn't mean I need to hide my laughter at you sometimes. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. Uh, no, I'm joking. Yeah, but who knows, 100 years, I mean, I'll be 133 and start to be thinking about retiring. And about <laughs> so, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, I've not seen the Hunger Games, but I know vaguely what it's about, so it might be, you know some huge thing yeah Um, but uh yeah it's it's tough it's tough to call you know i mean i definitely think it's on the rise again a little bit and more and more people sort of like i've heard start speaking about like a few years ago i think it definitely you know hit a a, a sort of short-term maybe not like what you're saying maybe in 50 years or 20 years it's going to be you know some huge sport but i think until poker gets proper government body like international set rules um and a you know a proper like world series thing where maybe only professionals could even buy you know or something like that. i mean i know they've tried it with all these right, poker right. League things or whatever i mean a serious body and operation like that almost like well geez i was a way to say fifa but they were corrupted so, <laughs> i'm not but you know what I mean. It's, I know what it's you mean. Yeah. I could walk into different card rooms in Scotland and be told a different ruling and a different. So yeah, exactly. I have a truly international standard in competition, like sort of Olympic level, you know, Olympic mind sport type level. It needs to be really, really streamlined and everything proper. These are the rules, and it's black and white. Not like, oh yeah, well, yeah, he that's just so and so in this card room. He does that all the time. You know, well. Well, you know, you know what, man, I like, I, I think it'll get to that point, but right now I'm enjoying, I like walking into a new card room in a new part of the earth and trying to find out all the rules and then trying to figure out how I can bend them, how I can take advantage yeah. of their anti-structure, how I can take it, you know, it, it's kind of well, like. Well, how you find edges. It's hard when yeah. you're a professional gambler. I mean, from your, from a professional gambler's point of view. Yeah, it's not good for the casual fan. I see your point. Yeah, I see you your need, point. You need little nuances. It's like the blackjack players that will travel thousands of miles because there's one place that pays X odds on blackjack, but, and they only deal from, like, you know, two decks and they don't yeah, cut the cards. Yeah, exactly. They deal the they deal the whole deck down and stuff. I mean, that can give huge edges and stuff. But from a casual fan that's just playing a tournament and says, oh, wait a minute, I, like, you know, he's playing a tournament in Vegas, say, he's on holiday. He does something in his local card room, he does all the time. He does it in Vegas and he's told his hand's dead. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, or like he goes from the Venetian to the yeah, Rio and it's the guy's completely going to different. Feel hurt. You know, he's going to feel like he's being. Well, and then, he, and then he sees like a, a regular do it right and then like he gets no penalty because you know they got to see him every single day but it, you know out of town or gets the penalty because well yeah, you know, yeah. them's the breaks kid and uh, yeah. are like I, I remember never wanting to play in italy again because i lost um there, there was just a lot of like floor rulings i didn't agree with and i went over seven because they were like that literally a guy came over and said like Who's the like compl- uh, who's the guy complaining? They said him, and who's the defender? And they pointed at an Italian guy, and he said, "Okay, you're wrong to me." Like he didn't even. I'm not making that up. He didn't listen to my case, right? He just assumed because I brought up a problem. You know, I mean, they did lots of things like they would pump. They don't do this now. Like the last few times I was in Italy, they've really learned 
I, I think just like proper manners when it comes to poker. But there was a lot of like, I don't even know if they were Italian. There were just lots of guys that were hanging out around the card rooms from there. You know what I mean? Probably people. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, they were like, you know, I mean, they were just like, it, 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 it just the typical grifters you see in any country. And there's a few more of them in like San Remo because it's, you know, because of its reputation, right? So you just... Sorry sorry to cut you off this time, Alex, but uh, that's one all. Uh, but no, I was just <laughs> going to say, uh, when you said Italy there, I just totally had an image, but whatever happened to Dario Minieri? Does he still play? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I saw... <laughs> uh, my, my, uh, his, face, his little face with his scar my, just popped My wife was talking to his girlfriend at uh, the WSOP a couple of years ago, <laughs> and then I was... You know what I mean? I was like... Uh, well, it was really funny because, like, Italians and Latinas, like, have some cultural similarities, but there's other things they do that totally offend each other. So they're doing that thing that women do. It's like we're friends, but we secretly hate each other in some way. But, no, like, I, I think they were just, like, you know, they were just kind of getting along, and it was different, right? And then I was like, oh, yeah, who's was your boyfriend. And they're like, you know, and then uh, she she said Dario Minieri. I was like, oh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Uh, how's he doing? You know, and the, Dario is an exciting player. I think he was good for the game. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I don't. People do that thing, like, oh, did you see this in this place? It's like, man, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what do I care? You know what I mean? Oh, he did this and he did that, and it's like, did he pay the buy-in? Can he do that? But yeah, uh, no, I mean, uh, we, we, I think we're good. Let's go in. Let's go into the questions. This was a very yeah. involved poker discussion, though. Shout out to Dario Minieri. I hope you're doing well, my man. I hope you and the girls are still together and having a great time and uh, chilling and traveling the world. Take care, man. Yeah, I, I remember his, uh, his scarf on one of the world. Yeah, his scarf. <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, I, I used to, whenever I saw him online, I'd say heads up for scarves. And uh, <laughs> he, he would always laugh. Like, he, he, was, he was cool. I mean, I thought he was good for the game. I mean, I didn't know yeah, him that yeah, well, but yeah. yeah was, uh, but yeah, anyhow. Okay, uh, right, let's get to the questions, and this one is quite interesting as well, but uh, we'll try not to rant too much on it and go off, because we do want to get a few questions answered today. We did really well last episode, so yep. we're trying to actually keep it going. Uh, this one is from Thomas Pavlovchik. I think he actually emailed it. Uh, he, he writes in. Uh, here we go. Uh, hello again, guys. This is not really a question, but more of a topic suggestion. I don't really have anybody to talk about this particular topic, and I would love to hear a little discussion from you guys about it in any episode in the future. Since I get that poker questions are high priority, so if I have to sum it up, it would actually be a question. What does Tim Ferriss, Henry Rollins, and Alex Fitzgerald have in common? <laughs> Each of the... <laughs> yeah. Bad attitudes. No, joking. <laughs> uh, uh, each of each of them have travelled or still is travelling around the world. Each of them wrote a book. Each of them preaches and executes a strict work ethic. I would say that words like freedom, interesting to link to poker players in general, and taking an efficient action to direct life somewhere are something that links them. Something like hard working freaks club in a good way. Am I right? Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, P.S. Are there any other people like this? Yeah, those are high words of praise. I don't uh, thank you, Thomas. I mean, if I could say anything just when you're saying that, that's, that's really flattering. But I want, I want people to make, to know, there was a guy, like, we did a, like, on WPT Mag, they did a profile of me, and the guy said, 
it always kind of seemed to me like you're a black coffee-drinking Seattle hipster who happened to be a professional poker player, right? Who happened to fall into poker. And I was like, I think that's the most accurate description I've ever heard. And then, and I will, I will say I am the original hipster. I was wearing flannel and a beard back in 2006, but you know, and because I had to, damn it. But there, I've never really thought I was that good at poker. I always thought, I, I mean, now I'm, I'm starting to realize, like, you know, when I sit at a table and I, I, I kind of have. Uh, I have a little bit of domain over certain players. I certainly feel like, oh, I definitely know what I'm doing. But, you know, there's times I go, oh, my God, this game is really tough, right? But I, that's like the highest praise you can pay me because I always just wanted to use poker to travel and write and to not work a, a real job and not and not just be like – I mean, there's a lot of people that say, like, I want to backpack through Europe and – uh, there's this great book, Vagabonding, that makes this point. They, it, Vagabonding brings up, uh, Tim Ferriss brings up this book a lot, but essentially at the at the beginning of the movie, Wall Street, they, they ask, uh, I think it's Charlie Sheen's character, like, what would you do if you made like $10 million? And he's like, I would drive a motorcycle across China. And it's like the guy from Vagabonding laughed his ass off. He's like, you could do that for $550 for two weeks, right? <laughs> like, and he's a... Uh, uh, and there's a lot of people I always knew like I could live cheaply and then eventually it was just to support my family and you know to support I mean whatever has happened lately like just having the money to be able to it, take care of uh, the people that mean a lot to me is really the big important thing and then just the fact poker gave me that that's pretty much all I ever wanted out of it I never really wanted to be like, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted everybody to think I was the best. And then, you know, you kind of get to a certain age, you go, you know, man, I look at how much Jason Mercier wants it. That's not me. You know what I mean? Uh, like, uh. I'm not going to be, I'm not, I'm not playing open face Chinese and going through combinations on dinner breaks, right? I'm up in my room watching the office <laughs> falling asleep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, no, man, I mean, people who are also like this, uh, I mean, much more. Uh, I, I think easier to look up to, I, I think are like uh, uh, it, the guy who wrote Vagabonding. It, th that's one of my favorite books ever. Uh, if you get it on audiobook, it's really, really interesting. I think his name is Rolf Potts. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know his name. I think, I think it is. I yeah, think it Rolf is. Potts. He's got a very yeah. distinctive name. That's the only reason I can remember it. But he has such a calm demeanor as he explains his philosophy for just kind of you know, meandering through the earth and like learning about things. And it's, it, it's a very, uh, it, it's very interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, I don't think I've reached this level yet. Like it's flattering for you to put like Tim Ferriss and Henry Rollins in the same sense as I, but those are like luminaries in their field who have changed millions of people's lives and like incredible Henry Rollins is an incredible artist too, you know, like, and, but I think if I've tried to imitate anything from them, it's that you think about uh, Dr. Drew and uh, Adam Carolla had this really amazing idea the other day. They were talking about uh, Dr. Drew was he was going to go sing a national anthem for at the Los Angeles Dodgers game. Right. And he was saying the difference between him doing that zero times to the first time was it is so complete, so total, so 
terrifying that it, it you know it consumed him but going from one to two is not even like one percent of it and it, it they were talking about you know you go from zero times doing an experience to one like the difference between those two is really infinite for all right guys we got chopped up a little bit with the uh, there's a bit of a rainstorm here in costa rica because i'm raining down with some knowledge but no it's <laughs> if, if it chopped up a little bit i'm sorry but to get right back into it no, there, the difference between not having an experience and having one experience is infinite. It's, there's no way to cover that distance, right? There's no, like, there's no way uh, I'm sitting here, like, I can give you $100, right? I can't give you my experience in the game. I can't give you 10 years of having watched poker hands, being in different poker rooms and seeing that. And it, this goes to something like, uh, this wasn't something that Adam and Dr. Drew were talking about. This is something I thought of. But if you ever talk to like a really intelligent like Jewish man who like unfortunately lived through the Holocaust, something they all say is like get an education because they cannot take that. If you get an education, nobody can take that. And furthermore, nobody can give you that. It's one of those, it's one of those things like money. Everybody talks about money. Like you want to get money. Well, money kind of comes and goes, and I, I know people with a ton of money who are really unhappy, and people, actually, that's kind of more the rule, that's not the exception, you know what I mean? I was miserable when I had a ton of money, right? Uh, and it, it, obviously, now, I think if I had more money, I'd be happier, but I didn't have the experience and know how to do it, and then I know people who have no money who are really happy, right? And it, so it's like, Money isn't really the thing. I think what really makes people happy is like these equalizers. Like it doesn't matter how rich Lady Gaga is. For her to be in shape, she has to get on the treadmill for an hour and 20 minutes every morning just like the rest of us. It doesn't matter how much money somebody's made from poker. If they want... Uh, you know, if they want deep knowledge of like the medical profession, they're going to have to go to school for eight years, just like everybody else. And it doesn't matter how rich your parents were. If you don't get those experiences in life, you can't really know something. Barry and I talk about this all the time. Both Barry and I had a ton of money, blew all of it. And I, I, I don't think we would trade that experience for, for anything in the world. Would you, Barry? No, 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 but I, it's it's hard. I was thinking this the other day, like with my own situation, like being back on my feet and stuff. It's you do. You, it's hard because you look back at the experience and then just after blowing all the money and being broke is a shitty place. Oh, it's um, the worst. The worst. You, yeah. you really start thinking like, why did I do that? Why did I not keep this for that? Why didn't I put this little bit aside, etc. And everything seems like a, a chore, um, and then you sort of like embrace like the like the comeback a little bit. I think. Yeah. And then, like, if you're going to come back, I mean, some people just that's it. They don't, you know what I mean? That's it. That, and, yeah, that's um, right. They give up. They give up. And you know, like, but for like myself, I remember thinking, right, okay, just you got to start back from scratch. You got to put your ego away. You got to like just. You gotta just do everything like forget what you had. You don't have it anymore, and just like start thinking from scratch again and enjoy the process. That whole stuff, and then now, like when you get back and you're a little bit more comfortable, and you're well, you're a lot more comfortable and stuff. You sort of look back and you think, like, ah, even that little period was not that bad. But that's right. that's 
that's nostalgia in hindsight at the right. time. It's <laughs> right, being broke. Right. Being broke sucks. It's like yeah. you know. So yeah, um, it's it's hard because getting experience, you've got to go through all the shit to get it. But when you've got it, you think, oh, if only I. And then you can f- find yourself like what Alex just said. Oh, now if I had like five million dollars or three million dollars in a bank account, I'd be. But who knows what problems that might be? Yeah, as well. exactly. But it's just if you like. You can't pick, like, arbitrary numbers and tag your happiness. That is just a losing game. There's no way you can ever win that game. No, uh, I, I mean, uh, I, I think Seneca said something like, no, <laughs> no man is as miserable as the man who's constantly beginning his life or something to that effect. Yeah, and, yeah that is. Well, I, it's, it's like when you're broke, you're like, oh, if I had, you know, if, you, if I had a $5,000, you know, I could, right. that's a role I could start, or even a thousand, you know, if you're dead broke and due people money or in debt a thousand bucks is a lot of money you know you're like oh, oh I can yeah. just get a thousand together but it's it's nonsense because it's like you got to go through all that to really realize it and yeah it sounds I mean, like well, preaching and that but it's so no, true it's not uh, no one ever understands it until you experience if i it. could take a whack at it like i remember living in like an uh like an apartment in the hood in central america and it's like i thought i was in a bad area in the States at one point. Oh my God, I was wrong. Right. And they're, uh, they, like literally like the sewers drained into the river next to my house. So I could smell crap all day. And then there was, uh, you know, there was like rats running through my apartment and stuff and I couldn't afford a mattress. I, I remember this. I couldn't afford the mattress and I had to get store brand ketchup because if I got the Heinz ketchup, it was going to put me over my $16 budget, uh, at the grocery store. And that my car didn't even work anyway, right? Like, and I was, you know, I mean, this wasn't that long ago. This was like 2009 or 2010 or something like that, right? And uh, I remember all I could think of, life was super simple back then, which was, I'm going to get money and I'm going to reward the woman who stuck through all this stuff with me and I'm going to buy her a house and a garden and a car and I'm going to we're going to travel and we're going to, you know, and it was just this whole thing. And then like, you know, I got all that and I got a lot of other things in the meantime. And I, I, I became very materially wealthy. And then I realized I had a lot of personal problems that I, that led me to being broke that first time that I'd never worked through because I could kind of hide behind. I don't have the money. That's why I'm unhappy. You know what I mean? And then, I realize like there's a cost for everything you gain, you know, and there's, and it's like you said, you can't, I mean, you're never going to get that. I mean, I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been hyper skinny, I've been really fat, I've lived in Asia, I've lived in Europe, I've lived in uh, uh, Central America, I've lived in North America. Uh, At the end of the day, you realize the only things that really make you happy are kind of helping people. You. I, I've been fabulously wealthy and I've been really poor and being wealthy and just spending all my money on myself. It, it's a lot, it, it's diminishing returns at some point, you know, it just doesn't do anything for you after a while. And it's, you realize what you, the, the one thing you can have. And I think if, uh, you know, I haven't done 10% what Henry Rollins or like Tim Ferriss have done, but if I've done anything that I would be proud of, it's trying to imitate them in this. It's if you can realize what enough is, if you can figure out what is enough and you can attain it, you will be richer than 
some billionaires, like literally most billionaires actually probably because people become billionaires because it's never enough for them. By the way, guys, some of this got garbled a bit because, you know, whenever you're dropping knowledge, there's going to be technical difficulties because that's just how life works. But essentially, if you can have enough, if you can say this is enough, you will have more than most billionaires. Because think about it, billionaires got there because they are insatiable. These are the people that got $100 million and said, you know what, I need 10 times this. And they didn't even stop then. You know what I mean? Think about what that means, what that, that kind of person is. You know what I mean? You can have more than them if you can just know what enough is. And I mean, I realized, I realized the other day, like, I'm totally content and happy. I'm going through a lot of crap in my life. But I, I was just realizing, as long as I have my health, as long as I have my books, as long as I have coffee, and as long as I have my family... I'm really one of the happiest people I know, like literally one of the happiest people I know. And, you know, there's certain things I want. Like I like my I like my dogs. Right. You know, I really wish my dogs have good health. But that's kind of secondary. I like NFL football. I love watching NFL football on the weekend. Uh, the other thing I thought of, which was really interesting to me, Barry, is I was kind of thinking of the things I really need. And I was like, work. I really like my job because and I was really being a puss years ago when we started this show because I was just a spoiled brat who didn't realize how... They, I, I, I mean, my mom the other day looked at... I just, whenever I have an idea, I write it on my whiteboard, right? Now, my whiteboard now has, like, size 9 print, you know, like 400 <laughs> things written on it, right? And she was like, oh, my God, looks like you have a lot on your to-do list. And I was like, you know what, that's a good thing because if I didn't have a lot of stuff to do, I would start chewing on myself. And, I mean, that's really the truth. I mean, men, I mean, you know, Barry, like men who have nothing going on in their life. Aren't they the most, like, depressed people you've ever yeah. met? And, I mean, yeah. nobody ever does. You never hear this story where it's, like, guy inherited $2.4 million uh, from his mom who passed, never did anything with it, and was just totally happy, you know, sitting around his house all day. You've <laughs> never, I've never heard that story. I have heard, like, oh, you know, he started volunteering at a soup kitchen you know like mondays wednesdays and fridays and he started getting really into the gym and you know he uh he kind of does some quiet donations to the soup kitchen but he doesn't really like to let people know i've heard that story a lot but i haven't heard like guy has nothing to do all day and starts and starts doing really well you know men need something to work on whatever that is right so it's like as long as i have my job or some even some form of job like i wasn't unhappy like, I'm trying to think, I wasn't unhappy being a security guard. It wasn't that bad, you know? And I think that's, that's one of those things, like, people don't talk about is if you can find joy in any job, you will just keep climbing, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it was something like, uh, uh, there goes your uh, vacuum cleaner again. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, uh, yeah, uh, uh, but, like, uh, NCIS uh, has this one guy, I can't. Mom, what's that guy's name? Uh, the guy on NCIS I told you was a photographer. What's oh, it? Uh, it? Joe Montana. Joe, Joe Montana. I believe it was Joe Montana who was like a photographer for 10 years before he made it in theater in Hollywood. And he was talking about just how important it is to have another job that he worked on so much uh, before he like actually made it in film and theater because 
it, just his appreciation with one job and work with one job transferred to the other one, you know, and it, it's really true. Like men need work, you know what I mean? And it's, I think if you have those things are, you got to find out what your like five things are, right? Like what they are. Generally, if you can figure out what they are, you can be happy. The, the hard thing is you're not going to tell most 28 year old guys like, Hey, all you need is some good family, like one good woman, uh, you know, a little bit of work, some time to hang out and read a book, watch a little football, and that should be all you need. They're going to be like, are you kidding me? Like, on TV, I'm seeing the Kardashians drop $60,000 on a purse, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you just can't explain that to the normal person. Or, like, if the guy has been with, like, uh, the thing that always bugs me is my buddies who've had, like, their high school sweetheart from, like, you know, like, age 17 to age 26, and they cheat on her. And I'm always like, why would you do that? She's like the best girl we know, you know? And it's like, and they always go, I have no idea. I just wanted to know what was out there. And it's like, there's no many, there's, it does not matter how many times you tell them the grass is not greener on the other side. There's some (laughs) weird thing with guys that they have to find out, you know what I mean? But I think you can... If you can run it out of your system in a safe way, I don't know, like volunteer work, traveling to unsafe areas, I, I don't know, having a... Uh, <laughs> having the devil a, makes work for idle hands, isn't it? That's yeah, it is, that's really true. That's so true. It's that's so really true. true. These old sayings are so true for a reason. No, there's a, lot like, of, there's, there's a lot of times I'm reading the Bible and I'm just like, oh my God, dude, like that is knowledge right there. Like, and it's, it's a lot of it's in Proverbs. Like, if you ever get a chance, I know a lot of people hate the Bible, but read Proverbs and remember, this was written 2,000 years ago, and you will just be blown away by how much... Yeah, and I mean, that that was from the... Yeah, human condition. It's yeah, it's a, it's a commentary on the human condition, and there's a lot of the old, like, Stoic philosophers are really into that. There's a lot of stuff from the Quran that's like that. There's a lot of stuff from, like, the Talmud. I just love that stuff, man, like just wisdom, stuff you can live by, you know what I mean? And yeah. think about, yeah. that stuff has so much value. And we're, and we're dishing it out as well. People will look back in a hundred years and listen to this. In <laughs> my will, I'll, let, I'll leave money for the web hosting yeah. of the site to keep going. <laughs> yeah, like, me too, me yeah. too, buddy. Now, they'll, yeah. they'll be like, why do they listen to this nasally voiced American so much? Yeah. Because my accent yeah. will have faded by then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> My own situation, like I, I'm lucky that I've only ever had to take a job once in my life, and that was only for six months, like a real job. And apart from that, I've, I've always worked for myself, carved out my own little thing. And the key thing for me, I think, is that getting that in your head. Like, I, I remember reading a book, it was called Spare Room Tycoon, and it was all about um, the great quote, and it was like, I'd rather be captain of my own dinghy than first mate on the Titanic, or uh, captain, <laughs> uh, first mate on the Titanic, or something. Basically, you're better being in charge of your own little thing, even if it looks shit to the outside world. If you can get a living from it and be happy and content, that's the key word, I think, Alex. Contentment. 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 What was the name of that book? Spare Room Tycoon. Spare Room Tycoon. That is fire. I love that. That is really good. And it's just so true. It's like people think they need to make... I I, I see it all the time. Like People I know, they see me like traveling, you know, going to China again or whatever, and they like they get, oh, what are you doing? Like, can I get into that? Whatever. I'm like, well, no, you can't because right. like, I've done... 
I've done all this stuff with the toys and the antiques for like 20 odd years since I was like 12. So it's knowledge, and like you say, you have to go through it. Yeah, I can pick up things at a flea market and know straight away that's worth whatever, you know? Right. Certain things. But, you know, the stuff I'm looking for. And people just don't, they think you're being guarded or you're not telling. I'm like, no, you've got to actually follow that whole Mark Cuban thing we've touched on before. Again, follow your effort. You know, that's yeah, why I dropped your effort. Poker. I dropped poker because I wasn't putting it in wasn't your, effort. It wasn't your effort. It wasn't, and I mean, a lot of times your effort is your real love, like whether you realize yeah. it or not. Like I used to follow my effort in poker, but I thought I hated poker. And it was really just like Andre Agassi saying he hates tennis. It's like, really? You spend 16 hours a day doing it five days a week. You hate it. And it's like, there are times you hate it, but you don't hate it. You know what I mean? And then, uh, by the way, we're not answering any other question. This is totally way more interesting. Uh, you all can fire me if you want to fire me. You can, you can stop sending in your checks of $0.0, you know, anytime you want to do it. But no, I mean, uh, uh, it's, it's something that's interesting to me is that people say, like, how do I do this? And, like, what they don't realize is, I mean, I'm going to keep referencing Adam Carolla because I probably listened to that guy talk more than I ever did my father. <laughs> Just because I always put on his radio show whenever I'm, uh, you know, doing something around the house. And the, he said he got so sick of that question. And then finally somebody said, how do you make a documentary? And he goes, you start making a documentary. They're like, what the hell do you mean by that? And he's like, look, two years ago, I had no idea what a documentary was. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to do. I just started. I called the guy up. Woody Allen, the first time he directed a movie, they, it, his first wife was talking about, he was reading a book like called Directing a Movie for Dummies before he ran out for the first day on the set. He just went out and did it. You know what I mean? Now, these are pretty dramatic examples, right? But, but the thing is, is you just got to put challenges to yourself that you think you cannot surmount, right? This is what, this is what I think college used to be super beneficial for. I think college in the old days, like, I can't believe what they tell me about college now. Like kids that are going there, it's like, oh yeah, we show up in November, we leave in April and most of the classes are online and everybody gets an A, right? I'm like, and if you read this book, uh, God, I think it was called, uh, oh God, what was that? What was that book called? It was like, something sheep, like good sheep or something like that. And they were talking about how higher education has essentially been ruined. And they were talking about one of the ways you get ranked as one of a top college is uh, there, there, you, one of the ways you get ranked as a top college is you just get really high grades. So what happens? You just, everybody gets high grades. The other thing is selectivity. So they send out all these brochures to people they know they're never going to accept just so they can all apply so they can report to Time Magazine, this many people replied and we only accepted this many, right? And uh, I think, but it used to be in my college, like if you got through med school, you knew you could get through anything. You know what I mean? You were working 120 hour weeks and there was, uh, like I had no, like my dad, I, I, I really respect this about my dad. I didn't respect it at the time, but I asked him for money out of high school. And he said, I'm not gonna give you money. You're gonna work for it. You're a man. Right. And he was like, you're going to go commercial fishing. I was like, Dad, I don't know the first thing about commercial fishing. I'm a puss. I play video games all day. I'm not going to go up there and hang with the people in Alaska. Right. And he was like, no, you're going to do it. And the only I, I the only way I knew 
going from zero to one to not having, you know, I worked at an Arby's, I worked at a Persian carpet store, I worked those kind of jobs, I mowed lawns, but that was the kind of stuff you like come home at night and, you know, you, you have four hour days sometimes, you get split shifts and you get two hours off to go home for lunch. This was 16, 18, 20 hours a day for six weeks, right? And there, it, there was no substitute for that experience, 100, 100, it, like literally working 90, 100 hours a week, right, with no real break. At, I mean, there were times like, you know, it was like, okay, we have the line out there, like wait 25 minutes or wait an hour, right, depending on how the, how the fish are going. But like, it's not like you can stop watching it at any point, right? we would wake up while we were sleeping and like check on the gear because it was just such a big deal. And it, it was a, it, but like once you come back from that and you have that one experience that was like, I never thought I would get through that. And I got through that. Right. And even though I was the worst fisherman of all time and I got made fun of on that trip quite a bit. And, you know, I, I didn't really feel that great about myself there. You get through that. And I think you just got to keep picking things like that. The worst thing you can do, this is why I tell people, you know, people do that thing. Like, didn't you used to really like weed? And I was like, yeah, I love weed. Weed is the only thing I really miss. Right. And it's like, well, why don't you do it anymore? And it's like, cause I don't want to be content, right. With nothing. Like, I don't want to be, cause the problem is, is it simulates contentment for a time. And that's really good. If you have a, you know, I, I, I think that's really good if you like you're in Wisconsin, you got a day off from work and you're, you know, you're taking care of two kids and a, a sick wife. You know what I mean? It's like, by all means, if you want to light up and watch the football game, that should be your right in a free society. But if you're a young man and you're trying to work hard and you're trying to get somewhere, I think you should feel contentment every day once you get somewhere. I don't think you should feel comfortable the first like 10, 15, 20 years. You know what I mean? I don't think that's normal. You're supposed to be working in your 20s. You're supposed to be doing something, building something, right? I, I just, like, if I was, if I was, it, everybody at Arby's was smoking weed. I didn't smoke it because I, I didn't, not that I was thinking like this, but I just, I, I didn't want to be content, you know, working a register at Arby's till I was 35 like these people were doing, you know what I mean? It wasn't like they were bad people. It's not like they didn't make, they didn't make good money. It just, it wasn't. It wouldn't have made me happy. And there were, there were times they would wake up and it was just, what have I done? What have I done this? And I was like, well, if you were a little more, uh, if you were a little less content and you picked the challenge that you thought you couldn't surmount, like getting to night school on a scholarship or like uh, starting a home business where you, you know, braid women's hair or something like that and starting to advertise that around, I think you would have learned you could have done a lot more, but instead you stayed, uh, you stayed complacent. And that's a really dangerous, just good enough or anytime you say like, well, the money's good, that's a really dangerous place to be. It will come back and bite you in the ass. Anyways, I'm going to, I'm not dropping the mic. I'm throwing it into the crowd and knocking someone, <laughs> knocking someone out. That's a, I'm so, spiking just, just the mic. Up, what, would, what would you say? Like, let's go three key points on like whatever it's, whether it's poker, whether you want to do your own little, I don't know, little company, little business, you want to do a film, write a book, etc., and live that sort of life that we're talking about, of being your own boss, let's put it that way, how to be your own boss. Right. And uh, what, what's your tips, and then, and then I'll, I'll say my three. Let's go for three. And we'll okay, let's do, three. okay, three. I like that you picked three. That makes me have to think. Uh, 
value, experience, and education over money would be number one. If you, nobody can take an experience away from you and you, mistakes can become super valuable if you look at them as educational and an experience you learn from. You know what I mean? There, there's some of the things I've gone through in my life, I'm pretty sure are worse than 99.9% of poker players out there. It is now valuable to me because I have turned them into an educational experience, right? And then it can make even very innocuous days very interesting, right? And you should never feel uh, geeky about, you know, like documenting it, right? There's, if you want to write down notes, write down in a journal, write on Facebook, take pictures, whatever it takes to like learn from it. I wouldn't be anywhere now if it hadn't been for my blog and taking those experiences and lessons and educational moments and trying to, you know, put them all together. And even though a lot of people were like, why do you spend so much time blogging and stuff like that, that really helped me process it. Uh, experiences and education uh, over money. Uh, you really got to relish the times you're broke because you are going to romanticize it when you go back. It goes into that. Uh, but see, that would be, that's almost like my number one, two, and three, like right there. But like uh, two would be, I think, uh, let me think about it. Why don't you go ahead, Barry, and I'll think about it a bit. All right, my one's going to come from like a place where you're coming back, you got, you're starting from scratch again, and you're sort of like doing it that way. First one is to like really strip, your, uh, strip back your own expenses each month cut out mm. crap that you don't really need, need like you know maybe cut your phone bill down your te- uh, television etc get go broke. like bare minimum yeah, yeah get broke like yeah. i remember getting rid of a car because i didn't need it you know i was doing everything online and whatever yeah get broke um, and do that so so that you give yourself as much sort of room for error as you can and like low income at the start of whatever you're starting or whatever you're doing and um Likewise, if you're working part-time or something, keep your part-time job yes. and strip, strip yes. down everything else and do that. And then I would say ignore other people in terms of whether they're criticizing you or rubbishing what you're doing or anything like that. But also, if they're doing really well, like don't, don't compare yourself to them. Like Alex says, this world now, you can find someone richer than you if you're a billionaire, so it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. to, uh, Roman Abramovich is an oligarch worth like $10 billion. He's nothing to Warren Buffett who's worth like <laughs> 60 or whatever. So yeah, yeah, exactly. never, never compare yourself with that. Like just, you know, just don't compare yourself with anything like that. And I'd say the third thing is be patient. Like When you're young, that's my biggest mistake was like I graduated uh, uni like I think I was 21 when I graduated. Uh, 21, but we to be 22, something like that. So 10 years ago, 11 years ago actually this year, uh, I graduated. And I remember thinking like, right, i got to go out and do whatever. Now. I was never going to go work for someone else. But I remember thinking, like, there's millionaires at 21, 22. Why am I not a millionaire? I think I should be or I'm capable. You know, this whole mm-hmm. be a millionaire thing. You start And you start, like, beating yourself up because you have not got it yet just because there's other millionaires your age or whatever you know right the greatest asset you've got when you're in your 20s and early 30s or is is time it's it's time on your side it doesn't yeah you're time rich it doesn't realize like 
10 years you could do so much you could go broke make it again go broke and make it again in 10 years so many times you know it's <laughs> like you can get a lot done when you're actually applying yourself so i would say like don't beat yourself up so much don't be a lazy bastard i was sometimes you know mm. but don't beat yourself up for not getting it all straight away or why have i not got it yet or what's you know etc you've just the time is if you really sit and work and apply yourself uh you can achieve so much in six months a year two years it's like you could be so far away from where you are financially spiritually all that stuff in like a short space of time but yeah it's patience you've got to be patient and it's hard in this world when like you say you see yep. kardashians dropping sixty thousand on a person i love that line that's great <laughs> um, it's like so true it you're like, true. i'm knocking at any to try and you know you're like yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never even watched the show but i know that no fact. i know i'm I sure know. i'm sure <laughs> that's in there right because you know what these people do right like i'm sure yeah. that's in there yeah sorry go ahead yeah, it's funny. And then uh, the fourth one, I'll throw it in a freebie. Just like we we bang on and on about it. And it's what took me to it took me to get broke to realize the true secret to it all and being my own boss and traveling and stuff, doing what I want to do and having a comfortable life. Like not a baller by any means, but just I am in my own mind in my own world. You know, to my level, it's like I can travel pretty much anywhere when I want, where I want, and every day I get up and can pretty much set my own day. So. That's mm-hmm. success, like to me, yes. and it's hard. It's hard work. It's getting that hard work and enjoying the hard work. And what makes that easier is like what we touched on at the start. Follow your effort. What Mark Cuban says. I always reference a quote if I remember who it was. It's like, yeah. do what you do because if you do that, it won't feel like hard work, and you will do ten, eleven hours a day without even realizing it, and you'll just be on all the time. Not to not to a detriment to yourself, but just you will enjoy it so much. Exactly, it's something you're passionate about. So that would be my ones. Yeah. No, those are good. No, and uh, let me now. I'm like really paranoid. This is recording, but because <laughs> this is good stuff. No, the stuff I wrote down. Uh, so, some of these, like number two, I would say is like get value out of pretty much everything. A lot of people do that. We were talking about like after a certain age, like my life is going to start after a certain age, my life is going to start. Right. And, uh, or after I get this promotion or after I get this money or after, you know, I get whatever it is after I get my first five figure score, I hear that one all the time, you know, you're still going to be the same person, you know, and I'm just as guilty of this too. I, I just said what that was. Uh, I just said where I made those mistakes. Right thinking I could create this suburban life and everything would just be fine. That's not how life works, but get value out of every day. Enjoy every day. Realize Oprah Winfrey would trade probably a billion dollars to be the average age of a lot of our listeners. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people who are very wealthy, who have very poor health that would trade a billion dollars to have your health. How much would you sell your eyes for? If somebody came up to you and said, I will give you $10 million for your eyes, your eyesight, would you sell them it? Probably not. I, $5 million for one. Always the hustler, Barry. But yeah. if you go through all of your, if you go through your body, right, if you think about all the things you possess, and it's really important to like make to say, like, I'm really grateful for that. You can pray to God and say, I'm very thankful for this, this, and this. 
You can write a gratitude list if you don't believe in that. But it's amazing how often you will do that and you will come up with it. You will realize you're richer than Solomon when you come down to all the things you wouldn't give away for $1 million, $2 million, $5 million, right? Realize you are that person right now. Realize every day of your life is a story in itself. You know, there's uh, a lot of people like I, I do this thing where I, I recap like every day, either in like a vlog, a blog, or like now I've taken to doing, doing it on Facebook, just did this, did that, did this, right? And just try to get like the quirks of my day. And it's like, I don't want to lose this. You know what I mean? This is my life. This is my time. This is like the one, one of the resources I could never pay for. I could never, uh, there's nothing I can do to live a longer life. I can do something to live a more noble life. And I think a more noble life is just cherishing every day that you can get, get out of it. And trying to get value out of every single day is like a really big deal, you know? And uh, I'm not saying like a skew, uh, like, I'm not saying like you can get more out of like going to the grocery store, right? You can look up, you know, you shouldn't be like, Oh, now I need a assistant to go to the grocery store because this is a waste of my time because my time is so valuable now. But no, when you go to the grocery store, try to do something different that time, pay attention. How much are you paying for certain items? What kind of items are you getting? Is there any way you can make it healthier? Right. If you're, you know, if you follow sports, right, maybe there's a way you can follow it a little more intensely. It, it, creature comforts are not a bad thing, but you got to get value out of them, right? And I mean, this is something about like how you conduct your day. What do you eat? What, what is more intimate than what you eat every day, right? Have you ever read anything about what you should be putting into your body? Have you ever studied anything about that? I mean, that's a pretty wild thing when you think about it how much we read about you know uh like investing for something that might not be realized for 50 years but we don't study and apply something that could come to our health what do you expose yourself to when you're listening to when you're around the house do you watch daytime news like i I watch daytime news for like 10 minutes 15 minutes and that's about it that's about all i can watch right because after that it's the same crap. It's two people screaming at each other. Nobody solves anything. And uh, if you expose yourself to four hours of just nothing, you know what I mean? Like reality television shows, uh, stuff with like narcissists who don't need anything to get through life. You know what I mean? Like uh, Sherlock or something like that. Uh, Dr. House. I, I think that stuff is really damaging at some point. Or if you're in the car and you're just listening to, like I watch, you know, I watch ESPN just like anybody else, but it's like 15 minutes. You know what I mean? I, 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 I whatever the big stories are and then I'm moving on. Right. I'm not going to be listening to sports radio for like two hours in the commute. Right. Listen to audiobooks and don't when you read, uh, you know, it's good to read fiction, but it's also really good to read nonfiction. Right. You can learn a lot from nonfiction, like try to learn, mark up the pages, dog ear pages, get a lot from them, revisit them. Try to get value out of them. And uh, if you try to get, at my, it, it, you know, time out of, I have to do this every day, by the way. Like the other day I was, I read the Washington Post like every day and I can either spend an hour with it or I can spend five minutes, 10 minutes with it and read the like really big things that are happening in the world and get a pretty, like I'll get a pretty complete picture of what's going on. But if I'm just going to read the opinionated pages and get angry, that's a huge 
uh, that's a huge waste of my time. And it does have an effect on you constantly exposing yourself to like the world is going to end. Uh, here's the stupid thing Donald Trump said today, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, so and also get value out of every day from your exercise. Right. There's nothing. They asked Richard Branson, like, what's your Tim? This is in a Tim Ferriss book. Like, what's your greatest advice for being successful in life? And he thought about it for a minute and he said exercise. Right. And it's you know, it doesn't have to be much of anything, but just like walking around the block can just be a good start. Right. And this is something Trisha Cardner talks about in her new book. It's called Neurogenesis. Your brain actually starts uh, regenerating if you exercise every day and it doesn't even have to be the research shows it doesn't even have to be that much right if you were a dog you wouldn't keep your dog inside all day and expect it to be happy right i'm kind of getting antsy because i haven't taken my dogs for a walk for a couple days and the third thing i would say uh you know second would be get value uh third would be your own leadership and have enough right third is like every day is valuable but you got to recognize it is all a bonus if you are sitting here breathing today. You know what I mean? The chances of you being one of the three billion people on earth who live off of $2 a day are much higher than you being born in a first world country. Okay? The chances of you being born at any other time in history, you know, where people were scalping each other over little bits of bronze, is a lot higher than you being born right now. You have already won the lottery if you are listening to my voice right now and you understand English and you had a computer to download this on. 80% of the world does not have access to a computer. Remember that. If you make more than $33,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners on earth. You are running very, very good right now. Find out how to have enough. You know what I mean? If you... If you explain to other people on earth that like people take photos of their food at restaurants and upload it for all their friends to see on their $600 cell phones and then go home and explain that they're poor because somebody is holding them down that in their car, they drive home to their secure shelter. <laughs> Most of the world, 3 billion, 4 billion people on this earth would go, what the F are you talking about? You know what I mean? I'm worried about somebody coming through my refugee camp with a machine gun. You're complaining that you don't have the new iPhone. Like, are you yeah. serious? And you know, people d don't like it when I talk like that. And it's like, dude, you need to remind yourself of that stuff constantly and try to have enough. Ask yourself, what is the minimum you can live with? I never had enough growing up. I thought once I, I had this image in high school when I was 17, once I have, you know, once I have, I remember this. I was going to have the really nice condo in Seattle. No, I didn't think anybody was going to be able to get a condo in Seattle. I was going to rent one. Uh, you know, I was going to, I was going to have the cute girlfriend. I was going to have the schedule whenever I could do anything. Not only that, I got all of that by the time I was 19 and I had another condo I was renting in Seoul because I would fly there just, you know, for the games or whatever. Right. And I was still miserable because I didn't know what enough was. Find out what is enough, right? You know, and a lot of times you got to delve into that. Like if your family situation isn't going that well, if you think that's your enough, that's like one of your three, four things that make you feel like I have enough right now. If you're letting your family situation go, and I'm certainly guilty of this as well, you got to shut things down. You got to call time out until you figure it out. 
You know what I mean? And it might not even go the direction you want it to go, but at least you'll be dealing with it. And, you know, you'll be amputating or cutting out the infection or healing it as opposed to uh, letting it ooze out with puss for the next 17 years while it gradually infects the rest of the body. You know what I mean? There are times you have to get in there and you're going to have to work on your family. You're going to have to work on your mental health. You're going to have to find things that make you happy. And as long as you can find what enough is and you can go, you have to ask yourself, if I had this for the rest of my life, would this be enough? If you can say yes, everything from that point on is a bonus. Everything from that point on is something worth sharing. It is a bonus, you know, and you have to ask yourself if I, I, this is getting like really far, but this is something they talk about in Stoic philosophy. If you died today, would you have been content with the time you left on earth? Right now, whatever was the first thing that just ran through your head that you haven't done, you got to go do that because then you will have enough. You will have enough. The one to me was writing a book. I had to write a book. If I, I, if I died right now and I had one book out and this was a book about my life's work, I obviously I would be, I'd be pretty pissed about, you know, <laughs> showing up at those pearly gates and pleading my case. I'd be like, Hey, I thought I had a lot more time than this, but you know, I, I would have my one thing done. You know what I mean? I would have had my enough done. You know what I mean? And that is a huge amount and constantly focus, write it down, do it and go, this was enough. And then if, and just realize having a pursuit can be enough. There's all this research that shows once you're studying, once you're doing something that really motivates you every day, even if you're not trying to do that to be world class, it makes you happier. It makes you more cognitively aware. It makes you a better person. So that can be cooking. That could be playing independent baseball. That could be uh, studying a certain type of literature that could be writing your own short stories in your own free time. That can be poker. That could be chess. It could be a thousand things, but you got to have something like that, I think. And that has to be part of your enough. Something that ironically can never be completed will help you feel fulfilled and complete. And that is everything I have today. And that is all we've got time for today as well. Um, that was Thomas that emailed in that question, and it took me and Alex on a... <laughs> he said it was a topic suggestion, so... It was a good uh, one. It's actually a show suggestion. It's, it is something me and Alex are both passionate about, and uh, we speak about also off-air. And so, yeah, hopefully everyone gets something from that. We'll call this show uh, How to Be Your Own Boss. Ah, no, no, dropping knowledge, no. Okay, How to Be Your Own Boss <laughs> in parentheses, dropping knowledge. And you cannot, put, okay. you cannot put the G on dropping, okay? It's just got to be it, no, no G. You're, you can put the little uh, apostrophe or whatever it is. Just, just dropping, ah, yeah, okay. dropping, dropping knowledge. knowledge. Yeah, you got okay. it. Now, this was really, I think this might have been my favorite episode we've ever done. This was well, blast. we'll see what the feedback's like on it. And uh, I don't care, fire me if you will. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it, yeah. yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, well, uh, we've got plenty of questions for our next week's episode anyway, so we'll deal with them. And as I say, episode 104 was jam packed. I was looking at that because that's the one that's going out live tonight, and there was like four questions, I think. Uh, answered. Wow, that's cool, so, man. That's, that's, yeah. So, uh, okay, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for coaching? 
any of your webinars and also to purchase your book now as well. Yes, sir. Um, write me at alex at com if you guys want to talk about private training. If I could have you guys do anything, I would just sign up for the newsletter on my website, pokerheadrush.com. That newsletter goes out once or twice a week, and I just round up all the free strategy content I put out. Nobody else is putting out more strategy content than myself. Like uh, every week, you'll get like new training videos, you'll get new articles, just anything you really want. And uh, there will also be notices of like the classes we're doing and everything like that. Uh, yeah, uh, Live Poker 101 is starting up, so be sure to write me at alexandpokerheadrush.com if you want to learn about that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, man, that's pretty much it. You know, th thank you guys. God bless. Follow me on Twitter at the Assassinato, And, uh, yeah, follow, follow my newsletter. That gets you all the good stuff. And Alex's book is available from Amazon as well. Yes, sir. There's going to be a button. See, I kind of had a Trojan horse thing. They sign up for the newsletter, and then they get bombarded eight times a day <laughs> with no notices to buy my to buy my book. But yeah, get the book on Amazon. The Myth of Poker Talent. It's a, it's okay. out now. Twenty five bucks on Kindle. That is an absolute steal. Like you, Barking. yeah, absolute steal. You will enjoy. Uh, okay, and keep your questions coming in for Alex. We will read them out on a future show. I promise. Uh, um, keep them coming in questions at oneouter.com on email or post them in the Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash oneouter uh, follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com that's at o-n-e-o-u-t-e-r d-o-t-c-o-m and you can tweet them to me if you want as well and whatever get them to us we will deal with them until next episode we hope you got something from this one I'm sure you did and even if one person did, as me and Alex all say, that, that makes it worthwhile for us, uh, especially with three listeners. I mean, that's a 30% hit rate. So yeah. uh, keep, it, keep it coming in, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Go forth and spew, young man. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.